everyone. Welcome to A Gut Feely. My name is Jake and I'm joined here today with Dave. As health coaches and educators, we've helped thousands of clients optimize their life by healing their gut. Our aim with this podcast is to provide you with some of those tools. Now, before we get into it, don't forget to check out the show notes for links to our social media profiles. And if you like what we've got to say, go with your gut and give this podcast a follow. Now, let's get into today's show. <laughs> Okay, welcome to 2022. So Dave, today we want to talk about some health hacks that people can employ and utilize to make 2022, uh, I guess, a healthier year, because ultimately what we did see last year and over the last two years is health has kind of declined Um, and not necessarily for the most obvious reasons that people might be thinking, but we are seeing that people have become more closed off or more separated from their natural environment. We see that people's activity levels have gone down, um, even like social connection has gone down. And so ultimately a lot of people are entering 2022 um, probably in a worse state than they would have been this time last year. So we want to talk about a couple of things that maybe have been over, overlooked, um, maybe some things we don't always talk about. We're not actually going to go into nutrition in this podcast. We're not going to go into um, too much into the gut side of things we will still touch on it a little bit but we want to talk about some lifestyle changes that people can employ to really um i guess advance or enhance their health in 2022 so as a starting point one of the first ones we want to talk about is a really easy one in fact most of these health hacks we want to talk about are actually quite cheap you know these are things that don't need to cost you a whole lot of money you know biohacking is um, you know, become sort of a bit of a buzzword over the last few years. And there's a lot of biohacking equipment out there. And some of these things can can be really expensive. You know, some of these various equipment that people are using as biohackers can be thousands of dollars a pop. And realistically, it a lot of this stuff can be as easy as going outdoors and getting into nature. So the first one we want to talk about is something which has actually been studied a lot now, and it's been called forest bathing. Or what's the, do you know what the other term is they're using? It's a Japanese term. Yeah, I mean, look, the major uh, terminology that the, the Japanese have used is like forest bathing. I mean, and it's I think the whole concept of like forest bathing is being sort of based on the, the senses. So like the key, you know, major senses like hearing, taste, smell, vision, touch. So it's anything within nature where you're you're stimulating these senses. I guess that's mm. what it's like sort of like really being based on. Okay, so yeah. there's many ways you could do that. I mean, that's obviously like, you know, getting under a waterfall or, you know, uh, getting your hands dirty, getting in a forest. Maybe some people might say like climbing trees or whatever that mm. might be. Okay. So I think that's it's, really I think a good it's really- point, Dave, the senses, because each of those sensory inputs in nature have different health benefits, don't they? So maybe let's touch on some of those different senses because you see getting your hands dirty, touching stuff, climbing stuff. So what's the benefit of actually physically touching and getting your hands dirty in nature? Yeah, well, we sort of like, we have touched on this one before, but, you know, even just from the perspective of, you know, microbiome. Yeah. Okay. Because like, even like, you know, getting into nature and running your hands through the trees and so forth, you're getting exposed to like all these, you know, these different microbes. And, you know, it's the whole concept of getting dirty. I think like, you know, I've mentioned before that, you know, they did uh, research on like Bavarian farm children. I mean, it mm. sounds a little bit unusual, okay, but they actually found that obviously Bavarian farm children, they're getting a lot more dirty more frequently. And they actually had, 
you know, less problems around things like, uh, you know, allergies. And so things like hay fever and respiratory problems like asthma and so forth, because obviously they're just getting exposed to a lot more of these uh, microbes here. Okay. And so, you know, if we are, if we are getting into nature, okay, you know, um, we are getting exposed to a lot of these microbes within the soil. Okay. So once again, get your hands dirty. Okay. It's uh, it's a, it's a really important thing to do. So what you're saying there is just the act of actually getting your hands in soil, in dirt, touching different vegetation that can actually have a positive impact on our microbiome makeup. Uh, look, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And even from like an early age, mm -hmm. now obviously there's, there's many different ways that we are going to actually help with the, uh, you know, um, the colonization and our microbiome ratios, like passing through the vaginal wall, you know, skin on skin contact with mother, father, like other people within the family as well. Obviously that the food that we're getting exposed to from an early age, okay. But also um, what microbes we're getting exposed to in our environment. And obviously our environment has become a lot more sterile and especially over the, the last couple of years, okay, where sterilization has been, you know, really emphasized and, and from my perspective, just like overemphasized. Uh, and, you know, like what you were talking about, there's been a lot more self-isolation, people have been locked up inside, okay? And so a lot of the time they're not getting out in nature as much and they're not mm -hmm. getting exposed to these microbes and so forth. Um, and so, you know, these senses are, 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 you know, they're so vital for so many like biochemical sort of reactions in the body, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so... Okay, yeah. so there's a benefit there on the microbiome, and that's why touching and getting your hands dirty is actually really important. And and there's, I know you mentioned that study in in children. I've seen a few other ones in in um, again in in kids who I think lives on farms, uh, and the diversity of the microbiome when they're exposed to more living creatures early in life, like animals and farm animals and stuff like that. So obviously there's a benefit there, and and I think even. Um, even like dogs, like even pets, they would say can actually diversify microbiome and, you know, engaging with, with animals can, can be beneficial there. And uh, so beyond touching nature, what would be the benefit of actually, um, you know, you mentioned like water and immersing yourself in water. What's the benefit of actually being immersed in it? Why would you go and find a river or lake or the ocean and, and swim in it? What are we going to get out of that? I, I guess the whole thing with like, you know, with nature, especially like um, things that generate a lot of energy. Okay. Like look at the end of the day, we are energy. That's what we are. Okay. Um, and obviously the big thing they say about, especially like running water in particular, maybe that's, you know, and you know me, like I would say I'm a bit of a waterfall chaser. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a reason behind that because uh, I think anyone who's, who's got underneath a waterfall, and I'm not just talking about from the cold immersion perspective, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more, okay? Um, but you feel completely energized. But what people need to understand, a lot of the things that we get exposed to in the environment, are, are they're more positive ions. And, and what I'm talking about here is like pollutants and chemicals and all these types of things. And most of the things going into the, uh, uh, the body are positively charged, like positive ions. Uh, it's really important that we balance this out and we get exposed to more like negative ions. Um, and even like... You, you look at it just using the air as a bit of an example, okay? Uh, if there's a lot of positive ions within the environment, within the air, okay? Negative ions actually have the ability to, to clean that air. And especially like, you know, running water, waterfalls, the ocean, okay, where there's waves and so forth. You know, I think I was talking to you about this and I said that something like a waterfall can actually have up to about a billion negative ions, okay? Mm -hmm. And so for people who like going, you know, what the hell is he talking about here, okay? 
an ion is a particle and it's basically just electrical charge or electric charge. And so once again, we're talking about, we're talking about energy and even like uh, if we look at the most negatively charged ion within the body, well, you know, we look at this when we look at blood markers, like chloride is the most negatively charged ion in the body. Okay. And it's really important that we, that we balance this out. And what, what's, you know, what's really high in even something like chloride? Well, things like spring water, like mineralized water, you know, chloride is actually one of the key ingredients that we actually need for hydrochloric acid, gastric acid, stomach acid. And, and even if you look at it, like with, uh, with negative ions, what they've actually found getting under waterfalls and getting in the ocean that there can even be this like benefit to uh, collagen and connective mm. tissue. So they've actually found that it can actually help with like tension within the connective tissue. Okay. So what we're, what, what essentially I'm talking about here is like structure and like, even if like, cause obviously if we talk, talk about the epithelium here, so relate something to the gut, well, the gut, uh, for people who don't know, is type one collagen is connective tissue. And then they've actually found like, like getting into nature. And a lot of people talk about that, you know, the epithelium have their ability uh, or have the ability to rejuvenate themselves within, you know, something like five to 10 days or something mm. like that. Now, you know, I always say this, this really depends on the structure of other epithelium within the gut lining. Okay. Especially things like progenitor cells, People who don't know, progenitor cells are a type of epithelium within the gut lining. Okay? Uh, this is to do with neural stem cells, but they actually help us to replenish and rejuvenate other epithelium that lining the villi. Does that make sense? Okay, So it's really dependent on the structure of these other epithelium. Mm. Okay, But what happens if they're compromised? Now, what they've actually found, like getting into nature, might actually have the ability to actually help with this connective tissue and this collagen uh, and actually help with its, like, you know, fast-tracking its ability to rejuvenate and replenish within something like three to five days. And I mean, don't fully quote me on that, but there's, you know, there can be some huge benefits here to, you know, something that we preach all the time. And that's yeah. the actual, the terrain and the gut lining itself. And they've even shown that even with things like cells, that it can actually help with, uh, uh, what do they call Like the prototype of the, of the cells. So what, what, what I'm talking about here is like permeability within the cells. You know, there's there's a whole array of like benefits that we that we can get from negative ions. Yeah. So, and I know I said at the start, we weren't going to talk too much about gut. We wanted to talk about some of these practical things, but ultimately what we're saying there is something as simple as getting out into nature and touching nature and swimming and these basic things, which like I said at the start, don't cost any money. Ultimately, this is going to enhance microbiome diversity. It's going to potentially speed up the repair of the actual gut lining and gut tissue. So if someone does have gut permeability, this is probably one of their, I was going to say most important things, but uh, it's certainly part of, of the equation that's going to be beneficial in actually repairing that permeability. And that's just with gut perspective. But then we've also got a whole stack of studies that show the benefit on mental health, show the benefit on anxiety. There's studies showing reductions in cortisol, just from literally walking outdoors in nature. Um, in, I think well, the I mean, studies... I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, just on that with with some of these studies, because I, you know, maybe it is like certain countries like Japan, China, uh, I think it was like Poland, Taiwan, South Korea, okay, that they have put a lot of emphasis on really trying to understand the whole benefit around getting into nature and, and mm -hmm. the whole concept of forest bathing. And you know, I think it was like 2019, Japan sort of took took a lot of these studies and really you know outlined a lot of these these massive benefits. I mean. 
we can relate it to the gut, like some of the things that actually came out, okay, is that the huge benefit around actually decreasing like pro-inflammatory proteins, okay, mm. that actually, you know, if we look at it from a gut perspective, they can actually blunten the brush borders that sit at the top of the epithelium. And that can actually affect your ability to release, you know, certain enzymes like lactase and maltase and sucrase mm. that help you to break down things like glucose molecules and like further down the line, that could probably lead to like fermentation issues within the gut. And they actually, I think it might've been like three studies where they actually showed that there was a, a decrease in uh, CRP, C-reactive protein. And we obviously look at that within, you know, blood markers, okay? And CRP is signaled by interleukin-6. And there was actually also studies that showed, I think it might be like four studies where they showed that there was also like a redu- reduction in like interleukin-6, mm-hmm. okay? Now, interleukin-6 is actually higher in obese individuals, okay? Mm-hmm. Hence why we know, um, you know, the susceptibility for obese individuals and overweight individuals, uh, for something like a respiratory virus, okay, is higher, okay? Uh, they do produce higher amounts of interleukin-6. So, you know, like, can it be as simple as something as like forest bathing mm. or getting into nature to just reduce the amount of interleukin-6 within the body? Like, especially around something like a cytokine storm where things like interleukin-6, and if CRP is signaled by interleukin-6, that CRP is going to get raised. And the other one that it actually uh, was found to decrease, which is part of that pro-inflammatory sort of like storm or the cytokine storm is TNF-alpha as well. Okay, And Mm -hmm. actually showed that there was a decrease in that. So I guess my big point is that it's pretty amazing at dealing with things like cytokine storms and dealing with that like pro-inflammatory storm within the body. And so yeah, that's I believe gonna... there's further studies as well, Dave, on um, similar, like looking at CRP and interleukin and, and in the context of earthing or, or grounding or just standing barefoot outdoors. Are you familiar with any of those studies? More, more, more uh, familiar with the studies around like just like forest bathing in general. And, yeah. and, and, and forest bathing is pretty broad yeah, yeah, okay? because yeah. once again, it, it really does cover a lot of those key senses that we you were talking yeah. about at the start but um you know and and actually when it comes to grounding and I, I know that you've done a little bit of research around grounding but if you look at one of the best forms of grounding they actually just say it's just walking along the ocean floor yeah okay like actually you know getting into the ocean getting your feet on the on the sand in the ocean and just walking up and down along the, mm. the ocean floor is actually one of the best ways to deal with, you know, especially people who've been exposed to a lot of things like Wi-Fi and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, this is coming back to what you were talking about with the water immersion. It's the ionic exchange. And so this energy exchange. And so, you know, obviously you can ground, you can earth in, in water and, and, you know, walk in the ocean floor, like what you're saying. Um, But it can also be as simple as, as uh, you know, turf or soil or grass or, or or sand, um, even concrete, I believe you can, you can, you can ground on um, basically anything that's a conductor, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you've got an earth, a earth, if you've got a wooden, um, uh, you know, decking, that's not going to work, but you know, if it's, if it's anything that's ground, obviously you, you can do that. And so there's, I believe there's a number of studies now showing improvements in inflammation. There's a lot of subjective studies. So there's studies showing uh, subject, subjective improvements in pain scores for people with chronic pain conditions. So things like fibromyalgia, um, even, uh, I believe even like arthritis, so there's actually subjective improvements in pain. 
there's studies showing reduction in cortisol as well. I think there's one study is uh, 25 or 26% reduction in cortisol just from standing barefoot outdoors. So there's almost different levels, the different different layers of how you can do this. You know, you can walk and hike and you can, you know, walk through nature. Um, you can do this barefoot. I'd say that's even better. You can do it, you know, if you can't get into full nature exposure, if you're not near, you know, a, a, a national park or something like that, well, you can still go and stand outdoors. You know, there's levels that should be accessible to everyone. And yeah, there's going to be a slight variance in some of these benefits, but you're still going to be getting, a, you know, a multitude of different benefits just in whatever capacity you can getting outdoors, barefoot, touching nature, you know, immersing yourself in water if you can do it. All these are going to contribute. Yeah, and and, and maybe people who don't have the access, like, you know, they don't live near the ocean or they, you know, it is hard for them to to get to a waterfall. Well, there's even things like, and it's not something that I use and I, I, I don't think you use it either, but you can get like air ionizers. And I look, you know, I've heard of like many people who do use things like this and they can be really effective to actually help with that as well. Okay. Mm. So, you know, it's definitely worthwhile, like people looking into certain devices that can actually help with that. Okay. So once again, that they, you know, they are getting exposed to like these negative ions and so forth. Okay. And also, you know, maybe like, uh, and we, I don't think we're going to go too deep on this. So I think it's going to be a conversation for another time. Okay. But just like even like cleaning up the quality of the water that you're drinking. Yeah. Okay. So even like, obviously, you know, water, you know, water has an energy and especially when we're talking about like hydration and all that type of stuff, a lot of that is really dependent on the, the minerals. And as I said, things like spring water, uh, you know, sparkling mineral water, you know, like what Jake is drinking, that is really high in things like, uh, yeah, chloride, but it's high in things like bicarbonate, potassium, yeah. calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, sodium, and, and a lot more minerals than that, yeah, to be honest. Mm. I, I just think like even just cleaning up the water where also you are going to get it, be um, getting exposed to sort of like these negative ions. So, you know, just a, a good quality water purifier and something that's going to, you know, put the minerals back into the water. Okay. That's uh, something simple that people can do as well. Cause there's almost two factors there with water. And again, like you said, we'll go into this more in detail another time, but it's removing the stuff, which could be problematic. And so that yep. could be metals, fluoride, you know, whatever. And then it's adding in stuff, which is beneficial. And so at the very least, we don't want to be consuming something which is having a negative impact. And at the best, we want to be consuming something which is having a positive impact. So that's where you're talking about, Mineral water. It's not. It's not as simple as just like just filtering your water. I mean, it's good to take out those impurities, like you yeah. know, chlorine in particular. I mean, it's corrosive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fluoride. Yeah. But also like putting it back in. Okay. So that might be something like you know, Celtic sea salt. It's obviously yes. high in sodium, lime, which is high in uh, things like potassium and other minerals as well. Yeah. Um, or you know, a really good quality electrolyte. And obviously, the one I like to use is the Cineplex Revive electrolytes. Bit of a plug there. But you've got other ones that. Um, I think yeah, you know, like I use seeking seeking health. Health seek, yeah. So there's, there's there's a lot of good uh, electrolytes on the market now, and it doesn't have to be like you know strawberry shortcake flavored uh, you know uh, electrolytes. Although I must admit, I do like the seeking health one because it does taste pretty good. That's uh, <laughs> definitely a bit of a pro. Um, yeah. The only thing that I was going to say, just on some of these uh, these these studies, is that the ones that actually you know sort of came up as even more significant, there was actually a lot where they were testing around heart rate variability yes okay? so hrv now i think it might have there might have been about seven studies but maybe four studies out of those seven studies actually showed that uh, and so for people who don't know what i'm talking about i'm talking about helping to balance out the 
autonomic nervous system. Okay, so the balance between the sympathetic nervous system state and the parasympathetic nervous system state. Now, the heart rate variability is really like the time fragment between beat to beat. And they basically say optimal like heart rate variability would generally be, you know, if I was dealing with like someone, someone like an athlete is, you know, about 70 and, you know, people with a heart rate variability as low as about 60, that just basically means that they're going to have really poor stress resilience. Okay. That's going to be down. So their ability to apply stress is going to be, uh, is, is going to be compromised in that instance. And what they found out of all these studies is that the actual heart rate variability was actually increased. Yeah. So their ability to tolerate stress increased and also increasing their resilience basically yeah okay so and especially and ultimately like, that'd be recoverability as well yes so if you're an athlete or even if you're just you know recreational gym goer then actually getting some of this nature exposure would have a beneficial impact on your own recovery in the gym yeah 100 percent. and then just like you know with everything that's you know been going on in the world i mean that's extremely important to regulate your heart rate variability and the other one i think once again there's something like 11 studies, but was just around, you know, mental health. Um, They actually found, you know, vast improvements in things like depression, anxiety, even like hostility. I think that's probably relevant. Like anger, tension, anxiety, even like fatigue, chronic fatigue, all these types of things. Okay. Like this was pretty huge. And like, you know, once again, like, like a lot of people might call what we're talking about here is like biohacking. I mean, you know, me, I don't really love that terminology like biohacks and so forth. I mean, look, for me, do we really need to, I mean, I think it's great that we have all these research papers, like it's Mm. amazing and that we can really now back it up with science. But I think everyone underlying really knows when they get into nature, when they get get into a forest, under a waterfall, get into the ocean. I mean, you know, once again, someone can message me and let me know like, you know what, I feel terrible when I get in the ocean or I feel, you know, completely you know, wiped out when I get under a waterfall. I haven't really come across any person who goes like, uh, there is you know. a, have you come across, um, it's, I forget the actual term for it. It's like cold water histamine. It's a condition where cold water releases histamine. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Look, I mean, look, 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 definitely, you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, we're, now we're going more down the realms of, you know, like ice therapy and cold therapy, but I mean, yeah, look, look, it's ultimately a permeability issue anyway. You know, it's, if someone's in optimal health, it's all going to be. And an also issue, like, you, like, 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 obviously, you know, like even something like ice therapy and cold therapy, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a good stress. It's a use stress, but it is, it is a stress. Okay. So yeah. it does actually increase like epinephrine and noepinephrine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think what the increase on noepinephrine, a lot of people think might think this is bad, but it's actually amazing. The increase on something like noepinephrine from something like ice therapy is like 200 to 300%. Mm. Yeah, mm. uh, and we've got to bear in mind that a lot of people actually do have like n- low noepinephrine, which actually mm. basically means you're going to have low, you know, really poor focus, concentration, mm. all that type of stuff. They actually found that by increasing noepinephrine, that you actually help with things like ADHD, depression, okay, yeah. and even stress induced, what they call it, like stress induced like behavioral disorders or something like that. So there's these huge benefits to neurological aspects so, so i don't want to make use it- a term there you stress so you being like a good stressor and ultimately what's happening there is if we expose ourselves i mean i guess it's it's just adaptation isn't it it's the same kind of thing that you know any like a training stimulus would have where you expose your body to an acute stage of stress and then the body's going to respond to that yeah and so that's different because what we're usually exposed to nowadays is just 
chronic stress. It's not this acute, you know, here's a, you know, the classic example would be a line, you run away from the line, it's okay. Um, but instead we just have this chronic sympathetic activation where you've got life stress, you've got economic stress, you know, financials, social, the news playing 24 seven. And so that's where we have these negative impacts of that, that ongoing stressor. So you're saying someone does cold water immersion and there's this short, finite, like acute stress response, which causes this increase in catecholamine production or release. And then why is that beneficial? Yeah, we, we can't say like, you know, catecholamines like, you know, epinephrine and norepinephrine. Okay. Like they, they, they are beneficial in the body. They are obviously helping with like fight and flight. Okay. They're helping with things like vasodilation and blood flow and circulation. It's hugely beneficial. Okay. Yep. And as I said, like, you know, um, norepinephrine, which a lot of your norepinephrine is actually produced within the brain. Okay. It's actually produced within an area of the brain called the blue spot or the locus coralius. And a lot of, once again, a lot of uh, issues around like depression and so forth can actually be related to low norepinephrine. Okay. So yeah. getting like this stimulation, as I said, is going to help with a lot of these stress induced behaviors and also um, a lot of things like ADHD and, mm. and depression and a lot of these like neurological problems. So there, there's a huge benefit from getting a, a bit more of a stimulation from this. And also you are releasing like, you know, small amounts of cortisol as well. I don't want, once again, I, you know, I think a lot of the time like cortisol gets demonized. Okay. Yeah. But what we've got to understand when there's small amounts of cortisol that is getting released, the cortisol actually helps to stimulate your lymphatic organs. So it actually helps to stimulate things like white blood cells. Now, especially for people who are sitting like more immunosuppressed where they've got, you know, low total white blood cell count, low neutrophils, low lymphocytes, sonophils and basophils. And, and we can see this in blood markers quite frequently where they're like immunosuppressed, like they're flatline. Okay. Yeah. And that's going to affect your ability to deal with like foreign antigens, foreign material, you know, uh, pathogens, microorganisms, and these types of things. And even things like viruses. Okay. Yeah. Um, so cortisol. NRF2. Uh, like ice therapy can definitely help with NRF2. Uh, yeah, so it can actually definitely help. It, it helps a little bit more with like PGC number one, which is a protein that actually helps with things like mitochondrial density. Mm -hmm. I know the increase in, uh, you know, norepinephrine can actually help with, you know, even things like muscular endurance. It can, so it, it can be pretty amazing to, to actually help with like athletes and performance. But yeah, look, I, I definitely think, you know, ice therapy can help around the NRF2 gene as well. Okay, but more which ultimately would then help with like uh in a sense like immunity um even well, like nrf2 also helps with like obviously like detoxification is a big yeah. thing around that and you know when you are going through the process of cold immersion and so forth yes initially you're causing like that you know that vasoconstriction because obviously what what the body's trying to do is protect the vital organs but obviously when you get out of the ice bath then you're going to get a lot of that the blood is going to rush to the extremities like the, the hands and the arms and the legs okay and that actually does help with vasodilation so it's actually going to help with like blood flow and it's a process called like flushing yeah just on that i, I just think like you know a lot of the time like cortisol sort of gets demonized but it's you know once again it's like anti-inflammatory as well so actually when you have an initial stress response Okay, so yes, you produce higher amounts of, you know, certain hormones like corticotropin releasing hormone from the hypothalamus, but then you also do produce ACTH, adrenocorticotropic hormone that actually helps with the uh, release of interleukin-4. Now, interleukin-4 is anti-inflammatory. Mm. Okay, so let's not just think, you know, a lot of the time what we're talking about is when it's chronic. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so it's actually got like anti-inflammatory benefits. And the thing that's, you know, really fascinating around like ice therapy, I know we sort of like segued into this and obviously it's one of my favorite things um, is 
just around like when people are sitting more immunosuppressed. And I think it's relevant, you know, with a lot of things that are happening in the world today. So yes, you do help with things like monocytes and lymphocytes and neutrophils and all that, but there's, there's, a, there's a particular type that you've got like T cells. And so for people who've never heard of T cells before, we, we, we've got lymphocytes. There's all these different types of lymphocytes. You've got T cells, you've got natural killer cells, killer cells, B cells. Now T cells, they circulate and basically what they do, and I mean, this is the most layman's terms, it's almost like they look for infections. So they target cells that have uh, turned cancerous or viral. And what ice therapy actually increases is a type of T cell. They're called cy cytotoxic T cells. And cytotoxic T cells, by increasing cytotoxic T cells, it's actually shown to help with even things like um, respiratory viruses. Yeah, mm. it's pretty relevant, okay, like viral infections, mm. okay. Um, and so how they actually deal with things, because they actually deal with things like cancer cells, virally infected cells, and how they do that is by producing toxic mediators that actually deal with that. Uh, actually, on the surface of the, the cytotoxic T cells, that are, they've got these, these proteins. And once again, they will actually help to uh, like recognize virally infected cells. This is pretty significant. And so they've actually shown through like ice immersion, ice therapy, that you actually, yes, you get an increase in immune cells. So like we do know that, yeah. but probably one of the most significant is that it actually increases the cytotoxic T cells. I think that's really important for people to understand, okay, because that means it's going to have some pretty amazing benefits around respiratory viruses so yeah. yes i can say you know like uh, helping you know with cancer cells as well but really helping with you know you know virally infected cells i, I so want to transition and tie all this together in a moment and how people can implement this but before we do with the cold therapy can you touch on the impact it has on like adipose tissue and mitochondrial density and, and some of the maybe even body composition benefits of it yeah i mean look at the, the end of the day i mean if you if you Maybe I just use the example of like when we're born as, you know, as infants, toddlers. Okay. I mean, do, do people really think that, you know, a baby knows that they're going to get blankets and heating and all that mm. type of stuff. Yeah, okay. So toddlers have a huge amount of like bat, like brown adipose tissue. So we've got like, like white fat. Okay. And that would be like, you know, visceral fat it does serve a purpose. Like people need to understand that it's like cushioning around your, like your vital organs, but also adults should actually have a high proportion of like beige fat. What does that mean? Beige fat has obviously the ability to either turn to more white fat or visceral fat or has the ability to turn to more uh, bat or brown adipose tissue. What's the most- So, so know, the benefit, talk about why bat is good. So bat is really higher in mitochondria. Okay, yep. So it's actually higher in energy. And also what it's really high in is UPC number one. A lot of people are going to go, what the hell is that? So we're talking about uncoupling protein. Now, what uncoupling protein helps with is our ability to take fats and sugars and convert that into heat to actually help with thermogenesis, to actually help us to, to keep us warm. So we're talking about like your internal thermostat. You know, a lot of people who, you know, probably know me, like a lot of the time, like in the middle of winter, I just walk around in t-shirts like all the time. And, you know, I do credit that to the fact that I do a, a, quite a high amount of like ice therapy, do it on a regular occurrence. And so that means my internal thermostat it's really good. And so what we need to understand, you have higher amounts of BAT where you have high metabolic activity. Yep. So some of those areas around the body that you have the highest metabolic activity, like around the thyroid. So obviously around the, you know, the larynx and the throat. Okay. Um, and then within the liver. Okay. The, uh, so this would be obviously more around the midline area. So around the liver, the kidneys and the adrenals. People who can have lower amounts of brown adipose tissue around these areas 
would definitely be people who have things like hypothyroidism. So things like Hashimoto's and also like maybe an overburdening of the gut to liver axis or, you know, problems with like liver detoxification or an overburdening of the gut to kidney axis. Maybe their kidney function is not optimal, you know, um, like slow fil filtration rate on the kidneys or even things like cortisol resistance, hypocortisolemia. So where there's dysfunction to, you know, or the, the adrenal glands not operating optimally. So when you've got any of these things now, like from your experience, like how many people can have issues with all these areas? Mm. That's yeah, not absolutely. uncommon. And so that's really going to affect your ability to produce sufficient amounts of brown adipose tissue. And that is definitely going to affect things like UPC number one and coupling protein. It's really interesting because they've found that um, UPC number one also helps with reactive oxygen species as well. And so they're, you know, chemically, you know, they're chemically produced from like oxygen and they've been related to things like aging, you know, I think like neurodegenerative diseases, cardiovascular issues, mm. because we're talking about some, you know, pretty serious problems here. Okay. Yeah. And so they've actually found that people who are obese, overweight, they have lower amounts of UPC number one. Well, that makes sense because they have lower amounts of brown adipose tissue. Mm. And so by doing something like ice therapy, yes, we, we increase the BAP, but we also increase UPC number one. And this is going to help with, you know, all the things that I'm talking about, re mm. reactive oxygen species and all these types of things. So, so in um, essence, it's a way for your body, in really simple terms, a way for your body to, to heat itself, right? Like it's fat, which has the ability to generate heat. Um, people who live in, you know, colder climates, they tend to have higher levels of, of um, at least beige and, and probably brown fat as well. And that's why you said babies, they're born with higher levels of this as well, because they need the ability to be able to heat themselves. And so in some ways, you're probably doing ourselves a little bit of a disservice when we're turning the uh, the heater on every day and we're wearing two jumpers. Ultimately, what you're saying is getting cold is actually good for us, yeah? Yeah, well, shivering is good. Yeah. I mean, once again, I'll, if, if someone wants to have a debate with me about the fact that, you know, shivering is a bad thing, I'm... I'm, I'm I'd love to have that debate. <laughs> like, why? So, why do, why do we think a natural mechanism in the body is a bad thing? Mm. I mean, can you push it to an extreme? Of course. But mm. what's wrong with so when when the body's shivering? Essentially, what's happening is that you're actually helping with brown adipose tissue. You're helping with things like UPC number one. And what your body's doing is wants to take the sugars and wants to the, take the fats and convert them into heat for mm. you to warm you up. But you've got to give your body an opportunity to do that. Unfortunately, what most people do, they get a little bit cold and just put two jackets on, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, or they put the heater on. Like I'm, I'm okay to sit there and you know, especially in the middle of winter when I get up early, I'm, you know, I'm doing my consults. I'll just sit there a lot of the time and I'll probably just shiver for a little bit. <laughs> a lot of people say that's you know, maybe a little bit sadistic, but uh, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not scared to sit there and shiver because I also know that my body is going to do its thing, okay, and it's going to actually help to regulate my internal thermostat. It's actually going to help with things like thermogenesis. What I'm basically saying to people is like, why, you know, I think there's a lot of social conditioning around that yeah. um, in terms of like, we, you know, you know, well, even what I've talked about around the immune system, well, there's just this belief that if you get into ice water, okay, get cold, that you're going to get a cold or flu. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of the things that I've just talked about actually help with the immune system, which actually means it's going to actually yeah. help with those things. It's funny, okay. isn't it? Getting, getting cold isn't going to give you a cold, getting your hands dirty, isn't actually dirty, you know, like we've, we've just sort of associated all these, these things with these activities and behaviors that are actually ultimately healthy. Um, and it's almost like language isn't serving us well. And, and, and once you actually, you know, you look at a lot of, you know, 
up-to-date research papers and so forth, where you, you start to understand that a lot of the research has shown that there's huge benefits here around yeah. the immune system. And like, once again, you know, uh, yes, a lot of that research has been done on like Wim Hof, but there's more and more research coming out around the benefits of ice therapy all the time. And I think you're just going to find that's even more so, you know, uh, in the next sort of like five, 10 years, going to be even uh, more dominant how beneficial it is. Yeah. So, and and even around things like, you know, forest bathing, which really people have been doing for centuries. Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, last I looked, there were 60 studies in the last two years that have shown physical activity has gone down. Um, and I would imagine physical activity will have gone down in sync, probably also with uh, nature exposure. Like if people aren't moving, they're certainly not going to be moving outdoors. So let's just finish by giving people some actionable tips. How do you do this stuff? Because it's all well and good to say cold water exposure, immersion, but how often do you have to do it? How cold does it have to be? Does a cold shower count? So let's let's just go back to forest bathing for a moment. And I know we mentioned, you know what, it can be as simple as like you can get some of these benefits from earthing and just standing barefoot outdoors. I would say a minimum sort of 10 to 15 minutes a day as a minimum. Um, even better, you get even more benefits if you do that say 15 minutes a day, multiple times a day, maybe you walk barefoot outdoors for 15 minutes after meals, then you're going to get this huge impact on blood sugar as well. That's been shown to be as effective as, as type two diabetes medication, metformin for regulating blood glucose. So it can be as simple as, as you know, 15 minutes, a couple of times a day, barefoot outdoors. Um, what about from like an epithelium standpoint, um, microbiome standpoint, how long do you think people should be getting exposure if they're doing forest bathing? Yeah, look, like a lot of the stuff that I was talking about with like obviously helping to rejuvenate the epithelium within that sort of like time frame of, you know, as little as like three to five days. Okay, But I, I really a lot of that was based on the person being in that environment on a constant basis. I, I really, you know, I really want to reiterate that. That's really a lot of people who have just like, you know, made the switch, living up in the mountains, living, like living in that environment. I'm not talking about someone who's just like getting in there for like 20 minutes, okay, yeah. or an hour and only doing that like a couple of times a week. So the more frequently you can do it, if you do have like compromisation of the epithelium and you have things like intestinal permeability, hyperpermeability, severe intestinal permeability, the more frequently you can get in that environment, the quicker it's actually going to help with that healing process. Yeah. Once again, that's really going to come down to the, the person, but I would say, the more often you can get in that environment, obviously the more beneficial it is going to actually be for the connected tissue and the collagen and the yeah. and the mucosal cells and the epithelium. Yeah, so okay? ultimately so, the more the better. So we're saying it can be, we can get some benefits from as little as, you know, 15 plus minutes per day. Um, and then if we want to take it to the end, to the nth degree, we could be spending a weekend or half a week as a, you know, a, a camping trip or something like that, where you're totally exposed immersed in nature for four or five days on end um that would be the you know maybe even the ideal and if someone did that what maybe once a month you could probably argue that that would be really beneficial yeah yeah well like even at the very least i mean if like you know like once once a week on like you know maybe on a weekend yeah okay yeah. you go out of your way get to a beach get somewhere where they've got some waves once again because this this is just way higher and negative ions and these yeah. things that i've been talking about you know and just get into the waves okay and stay in there for quite a while you yeah. know and do a bit of body surfing whatever that might be okay maybe just a bit of surfing yeah okay that's what surfing is such an amazing 
activity because you're getting this, these benefits from the negative ions and getting in nature. Okay. Um, and it's a good physical activity as well. You know, you, you are helping with like, you know, nitric oxide and, you know, mm. blood flow and circulation mm. and all that type of stuff. So at least at the very least, if you live near the beach, get to there. Okay. If you live near somewhere where there's a waterfall, not too far away, go for, a, you know, Maybe take your shoes off when you get there, you know, walk bare feet. And then, you know, don't be scared. I think, you know, a lot of people, they get to a waterfall and they just look at the waterfall, okay? Yeah. Well, you know, strip down, get under the waterfall. Like I do that every single waterfall I go to, okay? I'm mm. not just, you know, just look at it. I take a couple of photos and walk away. Or at the very least, get to a point where there's, you know, like uh, part of the stream where you can just get your feet into it. Yeah. Um, or just sit down in it and look a little bit like a nature jacuzzi. You know, I, I just say it's... It's super important, yeah, okay, to to get immersion into it. Yeah. And what about cold therapy? How cold does it have to be? How often? How long? Yeah, I mean, I think though, look, obviously, if no one has really tried it before, and always I get the the whole thing about cryotherapy. Now, you know, cryotherapy, just so people understand that air conducts completely differently to ice therapy. Okay, so the things that I'm really talking about, like around cytotoxic T cells and norepinephrine and UPC number one, this really does apply to ice therapy and generally for more benefit around this the, the the temperature has actually has to be around generally about zero to five degrees or even like under zero degrees you can actually um you know um if you do have something like an ice bath you can actually use things like magnesium salts and so forth to actually drop the temperature down even like lower but it has to be pretty cold and if you if you get it this cold you might only have to have this immersion for anywhere from like, you know, one to five minutes. It's actually yeah. quite low. But if it's, you know, getting to the ocean and the, the ocean's only sitting at like, you know, 10 degrees, 11 degrees, 12 degrees, okay, well, you're going to have to increase the time frame. You might actually probably have to be in there like 20, 30 minutes. So the temperature is really going to di- dictate the time frame that you need to be in there, okay? But obviously a good place to start is just like cold showers. Now, obviously, you know, where I'm based, like Melbourne, okay, like Tasmania, okay, wherever you might be around the world, the water temperature, like the water coming out of the tap is going to be a lot colder. If you're based in, you know, Queensland and, and these types of places like Perth, when I've been to Perth, it's like, well, I was confused because I thought I put the the hot water on, okay? Mm. Like it's, but it was the cold water. It's pretty warm. A cold shower is always a good place to start, but bear in mind, it's it's not that cold. So yeah. is someone still going to get benefit from doing that? I mean, you know, if it's 20 degrees or something like that, then well, is I that mean, there, there be- was a, there, there was the research done from the Thrombosis Research Institute, okay? And they actually found, you know, significant <laughs> benefits, uh, more so around things like sperm count, and increased like sperm count by 491%. Mm-hmm. That means there's obviously increasing testosterone. So there's definitely benefits, but more what I'm talking about from the, cytotoxic T cells and these types yeah. of things you really need to get like the temperature down a lot more. Okay. Yeah. But cold shower is just a good place to start. And then you're probably ready to, to, to get into an ice bath. Okay. Um, if they're out of place tissue though, you're probably still going to get some of that benefit from a cold shower. Aren't you? Like if you're, you know, if you're yeah, well, shivering, even, you know, even for people who've like, you know, got metabolic issues around yeah. things like insulin resistance and, you know, like leptin resistance. I mean, just think about it. I, like obviously, changing your nutrition, moving more, training, mm. that's all going to help with those things. I'm not taking mm. away from that, but like, just understand you get under cold water and you got those, you got those issues. The body's just like, we have to heat up. It has to take sugars and fats and convert that into heat for you. Okay. Yeah. You have to warm up. So it's a really good way of sort of like helping to snap people out of that sort of like sluggish sort of like metabolism sort of realms. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Now I'm not saying just use that alone. Of course you've you got to use nutrition totally. and, yeah, we're not, and movement yeah. and training. I'm not saying that but it is, it is extremely significant and it can really like help to fast track this process. Okay? It's, just, it's just unfortunate, you know, Jake, it's just a hard sell. 
Mm. You know, it's just just the reality. Okay, it's 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 hard. It's hard work. But when it comes to people just like doing ice therapy, once again, it can totally depend on the person. But maybe you just start um, initially like once a week. You, you try to set it like at least at about bare minimum of five degrees. And initially, you might start as just low as uh, a lower time frame is like three minutes. And then what I would do each week is just add an extra minute. And, and so how can someone do that? Are you saying literally go out, buy yourself a couple of bags of ice, fill up your bathtub? Is there places people can go and do it? How would you recommend people? Yeah, the, well, the, look, look, there's definitely places that actually have ice baths, cold tubs, and they're becoming more popular. Okay. Mm. Yes. If you've got a bathtub, you might find that you have to use a lot of ice, you know, maybe to get it to about five degrees, six degrees. Okay. You might have to use as much as about like, you know, six bags of five kilogram ice costly event like every single week a lot of people turn like chest freezers I, I think that can be a lot more economical just be mindful okay like you know to cool it i mean it's plugged into the wall we're talking about electricity okay so do, you know like one thing do, do not jump into a, uh, a chest freezer it's plugged <laughs> into the actual wall okay like you've got to unplug it turn off the electricity okay um but that can be a good way because that gets the temperature right down you know zero degrees easily uh, if you add, add some things like magnesium salts it's a great way of dropping it down even further um you know you know i had like a uh you know i had like a just like a barrel like a converted wine barrel it's like actually a cognac barrel okay once again it actually does take up a lot of ice i mean we're actually having mm. to use you know somewhere in the realms of like because obviously i like it pretty cold uh, and in the realms of like 16 bags of five kilo ice wow. yeah, okay so um so yeah maybe from an economical perspective a chest freezer or you can actually acquire like a you know a cold tub if you want to go down that path but you know like i really do like a lot of my clients getting into the realms where they're doing you know ice therapy and it's a bit of a I, I like a bit of a mix especially when it comes to adaptation and so forth where they're doing maybe short ones where it's just like five minutes and then maybe once a week they do a long duration one because uh, the body will adapt. It will become used mm. to it. And that it can be really good to do these longer durations where it's maybe 15 minutes, 16 minutes. Now, mm. I really want to stress that I'm not telling people who've never done this before, just jump no. into a 16-minute ice bath, yeah, okay? Because we have to, obviously, it's a, um, it's a slow progression towards getting to those really, really long duration uh, ice baths, which are going to have even like more benefits around a lot of the things that I'm talking about. So if someone's starting with cold showers, you're still going to get some of that benefit. They might do what a five minute cold shower. Maybe they, they finish a shower, like they turn off the hot water when they're finishing their shower. The longer the better. That's one thing there. I'll say. Okay. I mean, I've got no problems with people, you know, like I'm not anti like heat here. Yeah. Heat has benefits, especially, mm. you know, like, you know, I promote far infrared saunas. They're great mm. for heat shock proteins and, you know, uh, protein misfolding issues and plaquing issues and all that type of stuff. And, and and there's benefits to having like a nice hot shower or a warm bath, you know, hot, you know, thermal springs and all that type of stuff. There's huge benefits there. But, you know, I, I would generally say if you want to, you know, do something like a hot shower or a hot bath, I mean, do that at night because it helps to calm and relax the body. And it's going to be actually uh, quite good to actually help with something like sleep. But if we're talking about like more energizing, you know, helping with things like raising the epinephrine, norepinephrine, and a little bit of cortisol and helping with testosterone and that, well, it's probably going to be the best thing you could do first thing in the morning. Most people look, can feel a bit flat in the morning. Like, why do you want to go have a hot shower and just feel even flatter? Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, and would you recommend daily if people are just doing cold shower or would you still say a few Me times personally, a like I, I think people should be doing a cold shower every single morning. Mm. Okay. You can, once again, if you, you know, girls out there, if you want to wash your hair and, you know, you do that at night. Yeah. Okay. I understand like cold, cold water is not the best thing for like washing your hair, but um, you know, me personally, I like all my clients to start the day with uh, having a cold shower every single morning, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm steering them away from heat. 
I want to make that clear, um, but I'm just saying it's going to be a lot more beneficial like first thing in the morning. You know, a lot of people who've got a lot of information, maybe a conversation for another time, they can get a lot more benefit from uh, maybe uh, doing ice baths and a little bit of cold therapy at night because it reduces the inflammatory load because obviously you bring down the amount of like pro-inflammatory uh, proteins and then that means your body doesn't need to yeah. produce as many uh, anti-inflammatory mediators to combat that. So you sort of bring down the inflammatory load and that can be because inflammation, obviously it impedes on performance, okay, but also impedes on our ability to have like good quality sleep. And so that can actually improve the sleep quality overnight. Yeah, that's good. So there you have it. I mean, pretty basic stuff. Like get outdoors into nature, go barefoot, go swimming in the ocean, <laughs> turn the, the hot tap off. Like all these things are easy, they're accessible, they don't cost anything unless you're buying a million bags of ice. Um, and these are things that are going to have really multifaceted positive impacts. They're going to help from a body composition standpoint, going to help from an immune standpoint, mental health standpoint, um, you know, insulin resistance standpoint, cortisol, adrenals, thyroid, like so many ways, inflammation, I didn't even mention that. Um, and that's, I think, the beauty of a lot of these things is that it's not like here's one thing you can do that has one impact. It's like, no, no, no. This is one thing you can do. And it's got a list that's endless of positive impacts in the body. We didn't even touch on half of them. And that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. That's what real biohacking should be, right? It's like, here's a basic intervention you can do in your life. It's not one pill. It's one thing that's going to change a million things instead of one pill that changes one thing. So hopefully and, that and gives the, people, yeah. And the, and the only the only complicated thing about it you have to do it yeah and it, it can be a bit uncomfortable sometimes you need to make time yeah. make space and find the the mental tenacity to get into cold water because there's a lot more like biohacks that we could talk about but we just wanted to talk about like two things that we really believe is like really cost effective i mean it's yeah. simple for people to do you can apply it you know straight away you're going to see yeah. these huge amounts of like biochemical benefits in the body but guess what you you have to do it yeah yeah, exactly right. Okay, well, good luck, guys. I hope you all jump in and, and you know give some cold immersion a go and, and get comfortable being uncomfortable because ultimately that's, like you said there, that's the key aspect of this. It's not expensive. It's not hard to do, but some of it is a little bit uncomfortable to do. So, yeah, super keen to hear you guys all go with it. If you do give it a go, shoot us a message on our socials and let us know how you found it, how you feel, if you're noticing any, any changes with it. Um, but otherwise, good luck with 2022. Yeah. And just last thing, I mean, a lot of the, from my experience, I'm sure, you know, Jake's going to back me up on this. Okay. But a lot of the best things in the world, there's a short-term pain, mm. but there's a long-term gain. Um, and a lot of the hardship is people go for this short-term gain, but then they get this long-term pain. Yeah. That's uh, I think an analogy for the entire health system. <laughs> okay. Thank you everyone. Thank you, Dave. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks Jake. Thanks so much for listening, guys. As always, we hope this podcast was helpful. If you want to continue to connect with us, our social media profiles are linked in the show notes. And don't forget, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only. None of the information provided in the gut feeling is intended to treat, diagnose, or give medical advice. So please consult a healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle.